What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. Martin Whitfoot. He joins us via Skype from his uh, studio and home in upstate New York, where he is building a little art cult, I think. It's good to have him on the show. We've been uh, talking, of course, like most of the, the guests on the show for a while to, to get on, and uh, we finally made some time. I know he's on a pretty heavy rotation of uh, big shows, so he's often you know stuck in the studio. So it's good to talk to him for a minute. We don't talk that much about art, but rather uh, a lot of social, uh, economic, and political issues that are... Uh, pretty common amongst us as a people at the moment. So it's nice to have him on the show today. I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors over at Soho Design House. You can follow them on Instagram at S-O-H-O-D-H on Instagram, which stands for Soho Design House. You could check out their website at SohoDesignHouse.com. They're a rad company making handmade rugs for artists by artists. You can go to the website and see the entire process that the the rugs that they make go through. It's it's pretty intricate and uh, cool to see too. Like this, I, I like this idea of art having multiple functions. That's something that I sort of miss out on, like decorative paintings that just hang on the wall. This idea that uh, a, a paint a you know a decorative thing that you hang on the wall could also help you survive a snowstorm if necessary. Is something I find pretty interesting. Um, but check them out, SohoDesignHouse.com or S-O-H-O-D-H on Instagram. Or you can um, find them on the Facebook like page. You can find them on Twitter. And you can go right to their website and, again, see all the stuff that they've done. Check out artists that they've worked with in the past. And I bring this up a lot, like this idea that it's really cool to see things that you have drawn on paper or digitally or painted uh, re-transformed into a new medium, such as something like a rug. It, it just looks different once it's remade and becomes a whole brand new thing. So um, for art collectors or artists alike, check them out if you want to get something made. Maybe you're a collector and you have an artist friend or somebody who you've collected and you want to get something made. Maybe it's a good connection to make between a collector, an artist, and a local business in California uh, making interesting things, uh, the trifecta, if you will, of economics here, um, which in turn helps me and I can make this show and have more guests on and make more time and effort into putting out shows, which I hope you guys are enjoying. I've been um, trying to get a bunch of episodes recorded and posted up for you as quickly as possible instead of the the long haul waits i hope um i hope everybody likes it let me know if it's too many episodes coming out at once uh should i space them out more this one is a two-part episode so first one is about 45 minutes and the second one is about an hour so uh the next episode will be out on wednesday if you listen to this on monday You'll be able to. You can be download all this stuff from iTunes or over at my site at mikemaxwellart.com. Make sure you follow me on Instagram and Twitter and the Facebooks at Mike Maxwell Art. Um, easy to find. You can just Google me and and find all the junk that I do. I've been making these rocks that have been selling uh, pretty rapidly on Instagram. If you're interested in some affordable art that's kind of cool and different, it's both two-dimensional, but it's also like a sculptural piece, uh, natural. Well, I think some of the, the rocks are manufactured. 
that I paint on, but sometimes I get, you know, like actual river rocks or rocks I find along the ocean that have been, you know, tumbled and smoothed out. Um, but they're only like 40 bucks. Sometimes they're, if there's big ones, they're a little bit more expensive or maybe if they're small one, maybe a little cheaper, but you can get a piece of art for 40 bucks. It's really cool. It works in multiple ways. Um, check that out. Follow me at MikeMaxWart.com. If you want to leave some dough for the podcast, you're interested in just supporting the show in and of itself. And, uh, I can give you a shout out on the show, or if you want to remain anonymous, that's all good. Uh, you could do that. Go to MikeMaxWart.com. Click on the podcast. You'll find there a PayPal link, a little logo of some sort of donation button of some, some bit, and you could put a little money into the show. Um, and th that's always appreciated. So again, thanks to Soho Design House and all you guys for listening. It's, it's much appreciated. And everybody who gives the show a shout, everybody who just talks about the show to somebody else. Like that's like I've been noticing people like comment on other people's stuff saying, oh, I, I like that show or whatever. And all that is is great. It helps and it's much appreciated. And you could do that over on iTunes, too, if you want to leave a comment. Uh, leave some ratings, some stars, all that shit sort of helps too in some fashion. At least builds my ego bigger than it is at the moment. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Let's um, get right into this thing and give Martin a call. Hey. Mr. Martin Whitfoot, what's up, my friend? Hey, how you doing, man? I have such a hard time with your name. Like, I've always, in my, sort of in my head, just referred to you as Martin Whitfoot, because the idea of a foot with wit like, <laughs> makes, makes me laugh on the inside. You, you, know, you know what's funny about that, though, is that's actually how you pronounce it. You leave out the, the H. That's, that's a funny thing, so that's actually <laughs> the way to say it. That's uh, perfect. And it's funny, like, I have a, we have, like, a family crest, because it's, like, a super old Swedish name. Yeah. Uh, so we actually have, like, an ancient, like, like family crest. And it's actually, uh, what's weird about it is it's actually referring to that, like, the crest has two feet crossing like this and a knight's head on top. So I don't know, like, exactly what it means, but it has feet in it. So yeah, of course. something like that. Of <laughs> yeah. course it does. <laughs> we couldn't start in a better way. Well, right. But first, I want to thank you for, for taking the time to shoot the show with me. I know uh, we've talked a couple times about being able to do this. I know last time you were like in the midst of right at the like forefront of a big solo show that you were working on. And you, yeah, could, you yeah, got yeah. another one coming up here pretty soon too, right? Yeah, I've got a show in, uh, at Jonathan Levine Gallery in October. Um, it's my first solo show with, with that gallery. I've been wanting to work with them for a while, um, but I feel like like time-wise, just in terms of what I've been doing and where I feel like my, my work's been going, I feel like it's kind of the perfect time to be doing it. Like, I'm glad it didn't happen earlier in my career. I'm, I'm happy that I kind of lined up right uh, just like this. Um, and then after that, I'm going to start working on my first museum solo show. So it's kind of like, it's, it's funny because I'm pursuing the same theme for both. So this, you know, doing this show for Levine is going to be my first uh venture into this theme that then carries into like a two-year three-year project you know yeah so it's it's interesting kind of doing it that way because up to now all the shows i've done all the solo shows all the series have a certain theme to them but but per show i've had a different theme whereas this time it's kind of like this 
larger project that spans beyond just one show. I think it's going to spill into three shows and then culminate with the museum show in the end. So it's it's kind of interesting. So I'm curious, how does those themes sort of uh, come to fruition? Are you, are you, do you start to write stuff out? Is it just like some of the stuff that you're drawing starts to become uh, uh, patterned or – no, I think I think it's mainly what I like. All right, so I think all of us, no matter what our um, medium is or whatever, like no matter. It, let's say you're a musician. Let's say you're a painter, sculptor, whatever it is. Um, I think our ideas are largely influenced by by what we're taking in. So, so for instance, in my case, it's audio books and podcasts are, are a huge thing that I absorb. Right. Right. So I feel like how how my show series, like the themes have come together, is there's been kind of like like overall bigger theme ideas that I've wanted to approach um, in the sense of taking like like individual paintings in a series, making up different facets of that one big theme. So the way I like the way I'll come across, let's say, a theme like like in 2012 this is maybe a good example because it's kind of concise. But I did a show at Corey Helford Gallery in L.A. and the um, the theme for that show was Empire. Like the name of the show was Empire, but it happened right around the time of Occupy Wall Street. So, so there was a lot of stuff coming in via the media that I'm taking in, you know, podcasts and otherwise that were addressing what Occupy Wall Street was, you know, because it's spread everywhere. I think you guys had one in L.A. too, like Occupy L.A. and whatever. Like it's it it spread all over the all over the place at a time when that was on people's minds, like everyday people confronted with this idea, like look, we're, we're living in a system that all of us collectively know is fucked up, but what do we do about it? So, so you look at something like Occupy Wall Street with all these other things happening along this, uh, the same lines at the same time, like just, just invasion of Afghanistan, all this kind of stuff that's coming in from there. And I, I felt that like at the time that I was working on that show, for instance, I wanted to have like take a part in that dialogue but through my paintings. So hence the Empire show kind of came out of that. And the theme for that show at the end of the day was basically just looking at the term empire and what it means today. Because it used to be uh, not that long ago that empire meant conquest. And it's kind of like it was an optimistic term. You know, you think of like, like even the Empire State Building. So, so like, like the, the term Empire State Building referred to the tallest building at the time that stood for male dominance and power. You know what I mean? Like, like just, just if you look at all of New York and what it sort of ha- was built on was this idea of just, just power, but power by, uh, by virtue of dominion over others. You know. Yeah. Then when you fast forward to 2012, when this was going on, it's like, do we collectively, as just everyday people, like, do we want to be part of that kind of system? What does empire mean today? It's like w- there's no longer that kind of like sense. I, I get among my friends, among podcasters that, that have guests on and all kinds of stuff like this, like there isn't this sense that we want to dominate other people. There, there's not this sense that we want to go on these conquests and take over other people's territory and like push other people aside and exert our power over others. In fact, the whole idea behind something like Occupy Wall Street was the idea that we should all kind of come together and say, look, like even if you're a fucking Tea Party member and you have Tea Party member over here and then you have like a super lefty hippie on this side, well, they're both at the same gathering saying, well, the system in place as it is, that doesn't work for anybody. It only works for, again, like the 1%. Like that's the first time the world was kind of introduced to the idea of the 1% versus the 99%, right? Do you think uh, that you know, that's the lasting 
uh, sort of story from that. I, I wanted to ask you what you think now being able to look back over a few years, like what well, effects there were. Yeah, I think, well, well, so, so something like Occupy Wall Street, like, you know, I don't know what people, how people feel, whether or not it was successful or not, because there wasn't a, um, I mean, I think the problem to begin with is that it's a leaderless kind of a thing. Like the, like the system that's in place right now works in the kind of hierarchical model where you have the leader at the top. Nowadays, it's, it's a president back not that long ago was the king, the monarchs, you know, like, like there's this, this kind of pyramid structure to it where something like Occupy Wall Street, as mentioned, is like it didn't have it didn't have a central kind of even like a central purpose. You know, there wasn't really yeah. a goal other than to get together and say the situation we're all in is fucked up. And it's, it's, it was basically a symbolic gesture to say, hey, let's let's collectively start looking at. Uh, the fact that we all share this problem together because we all live in this society, right? But yeah. so what I'd say is like fast forward from that now 2015, um, you know, not that long has passed, but but some people say Occupy Wall Street was just a bunch of noise, but nothing really happened. I, I disagree. I think what it showed to the world is that like in the wake of that, so so if we think of Occupy Wall Street and a bunch of other stuff that's happened, it's by virtue of the internet that we can all now start banding together. Like you and I are talking across the coast to each other, like 15 years ago, we couldn't have done this, maybe like a long distance call or whatever. Right. But like, it, I just think that, that what, what something like Occupy Wall Street, but also all this other stuff that's happening by, um, by means of like people connecting with podcast. Like I, I keep going back to the podcasting because this is the first time in human history you've had um, the ability to create some kind of, discussion among people who just have shared interests or just want to have a dialogue about anything any part any topic is open to it and broadcast it to everybody yeah for free there's yeah. no like like yeah you know some people take on sponsors like for sure like you have but i love how they do it too is that you got somebody like let's say rogan who i, I know you're familiar with and like duncan trussell and, and other people like this like yeah they have sponsors but they weave it into this fun monologue like it's all kind of it's just still like there's no middleman. It's like that. That all that exposes is that there's now for the first time ever there's a there's a way to really broadcast ideas and really get your work out there, no matter what form that work takes, without having to follow kind of some kind of institutional system, right? Yeah. So, so what I think is super interesting about that, and I think Occupy Wall Street did expose that thing, is that people, like actual people, actual free thinking people can share ideas and they can share opinions or disagree on opinions, but still do it in a very democratic fashion in the sense of you can connect with people wherever they happen to be just by putting something out there, you know? Yeah. And I think that, so, so I, I'm optimistic about it. I, I think that um, certainly from the standpoint of a painter, getting my work out and having a dialogue via my work and then also like feeding my work's ideas very efficiently if you want to use that term at least effectively is man like i have so much so much at my disposal i i can talk to anybody i reach out to if i if i care to do that or i can as a sponge for new ideas or anything i mean all i have to do is just launch into the the limbo that is the internet for a little while and i i can just pull anything i need from there reference photography whatever you know sure um so so i i personally feel that yeah, there's still a lot of shit that needs to be addressed 
globally right yeah. and i mean it's getting in in certain ways it's like it's there's almost insurmountable things that do weigh pretty heavily such as like if the status quo is is going to keep going on for any any bit longer i think we're running into a huge problem with just the environment itself you know and that's that's a whole different thing but um but i do think that i think that what I am seeing, like, like, you, have you seen what's been going on with like uh, Elon Musk's like Tesla battery and all yeah. this, this stuff that they're doing there? Yeah. Like, like, I feel like, like, there are those few sort of like mavericks out there that that are challenging the idea that just, just like, like, you know, power or or the creation of any kind of material system does it have to follow the uh, fossil fuel model anymore? I don't, I don't know. I don't. But but I don't think that somebody like Elon Musk would have come along and had such an impact as as it seems like he's having had it not been for those things I mentioned before, which is that ideas are now like it's it's the the pollination of the of ideas around the world. It's it's nuts how well it's spreading yeah. and how how much of an impact it's having on on everybody. Now it's no longer just like the the ivory towers that hold a few select few in there. Like it's. It's sort of that's why I think I see so much more of kind of like this this uh, inspiration and motivation among people of all age groups right now. Just saying, like, no, if you have if you have something you want to stand for, or something you want to do with your life, you can do it now. Let's do it. But 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 you can find that you have communities to turn to for pretty much any pursuit you want to go after. Um, and certainly, I think that something like like wanting to connect with nature more and like and and actually having more of a more of a sense of connectedness rather than a disconnect, which I feel has plagued us for a very long time up till now. Like, I think we're seeing some kind of awakening to get back to that, connecting with one another, but also a lot of people are like finding ways to become more sustainable, like whatever form that takes. Like a lot of people, because, you know, I've been living in New York for 10 years, but past two years I, um, I moved upstate. Like I bought a place in like near Woodstock, which is a couple hours outside of New York. Uh-huh. And just being up here too, it's like, it's not just that it's these, um, like old generations of farmers and such, though you meet them as well, but you get a lot, a lot more people moving up from like Brooklyn, places like that, looking for that balance, you know, but they don't feel like, like getting out of New York, uh, is all of a sudden like putting them, compromising their career potential or anything like that. In fact, it's more, you're seeing a lot more of this kind of balance which is like okay the city doesn't have to be this oppressive, incredibly expensive place, the place which it is. And you you get prisoner to that, and then you know basically become slave to that kind of an operating model. And instead, I, I feel like a lot more people are are feeling empowered to see the potential. Let's say at some point they they want to leave that, they don't feel like they're um, that they're just coasting in open water. Like there's a lot we can turn to for for resources. So that seems to be like an interesting dichotomy to me. Um, like even in terms of uh, like Occupy Wall Street, like if you yeah. look at it, like even like one, it changed the vernacular. So it changed like what people were talking about. But right. it also shows that two di- very different groups of people may actually want the same end goal but maybe yeah. with very different intentions, like this idea, like big government wanting one world government as a way to sort of maybe control and manipulate the, an entire population. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, those ideas um, in the most altruistic viewpoint 
um, are a way as like ending war, uh, yeah. creating maybe a free trade market, which in essence allows artists like yourself or people who want to go like back out into nature to be able to still exist and make a living and pay the bills yeah, and yeah. get food through this sort of system that in essence has caused a lot of problems, but we're also on the flip side of the coin or like a glass half full also right. offers, offers this opportunity. Um, so it, it, you know, from an outside perspective, one looks like they're trying to manipulate the system and utilize it for profit and control, which is very obvious, I think, to everybody. And then yep. there's a more like everyday person type of system that seems to function fairly well, uh, given certain restrictions, of course, and, you know, a system that has been in place that maybe if, uh, for sure can will always need to evolve. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that, that the, the key element, though, is that what the Internet, because I keep thinking that the Internet is the facilitator for this, is, is what it's allowing is person-to-person -person, uh, interactions, you know, also from an economic standpoint. It's like, you know, let's say take something like eBay, where instead of going through a third party like, like a Walmart or whatever, like Amazon is kind of like, it's you know Amazon uh, takes that model, but you got something like eBay where eBay or Etsy, let's say even like something like Etsy, it's you have something that somebody else wants. It's almost like that goes back to an older world kind of form of trade. It's like somebody has like like on eBay, you can find fucking anything you want, man. Mm -hmm. Like I, I think like really like you can put the most obscure search parameters in, and chances are pretty high somebody has it, which is so weird. It's like. And it, yes, that's still a material thing. I'm not talking about like, I don't think that's the salvation is like all of a sudden you can get more stuff. But I, all right. I mean by saying that is that is that what the Internet has has provided for us is is that we we can to some degree get away from just simply feeding the coffers of corporations where, again, that that dynamic that the one percent like the CEO dynamic where it's like there's a sliver of the population has pretty much all the wealth in the world. Maybe we're getting away from that simply because now the, the transactions that are happening between people are pretty much direct. I mean, it's becoming more and more that way. Like, for instance, so, so like my anecdotal example of that, but it just so happens like the circumstances I found myself in moving up here is my next door neighbor is a farmer. He owns a big farm down the road. I'm not buying veggies from the grocery store anymore, man, because I – talk to this guy and i'm teaching his kid how to paint so it's like we have this bartering system where the no money needs to exchange hands you know it's just it's more community and they, it's it's i just happen to be in that scenario because you know he lives next door to me but but i'm just finding more and more like just talking among my friends too is that communication pathways are so open now that rather than having to go to uh like, like rather than having to go to some kind of institution or organization to get your needs met you can probably find what you need just communicating with everyday other people and hopefully like this is something like like because the, the theme that i'm working on now with my paintings uh i'm actually borrowing the term from terence mckenna it's uh the archaic revival so terence mckenna who you, i'm sure you're familiar with right yeah 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 so to well to anyone listening who doesn't just look him up and listen to a couple of lectures but like he, uh, his whole idea was that through, in his case, and also largely my case too, but like through finding 
more ancient tools such as psychedelics, uh, people would find their way towards an older model of community and connection with one another, you know, hence the archaic revival, which is that it's not to say we're going to return to a hunter-gatherer kind of lifestyle or whatever, but, but what he's advocating, I'm, I'm on, in the same sort of like on the same path of like hoping this is going to be the case, which is that via this revival that I do see happening right now, people do start finding an, that older world connection with one another again, like kind of like the global village dynamic where, uh, you know, stemming from, I guess, like any kind of interactions you could think of, but, but I think one clear one that you do see is what I just mentioned is like just transactions among people. A, a lot of people too now they're trading with Bitcoin. They're saying like the, the bank system, the way it is, it's fucked. So why don't we just invent our own currency? We all agree to that currency being something that we can trade with. And all of a sudden you realize like, you don't need you don't need a bank. You don't need the bank. You don't need uh, interest. You, you don't need all this other shit that, that we've been prisoner to that for a very long time. And in a lot of ways we still are. But I do think that each one of those little things that's being invented and explored by by people all over the world, I think the more the more two things are gonna happen. One, we're gonna start slowly separating from this kind of bondage relationship to the big world order as it's been right and two people are going to see boundaries drop between each other you know like you could be like like just you know again with the internet facilitating this but people are communicating with one another no matter where they happen to live like you could very well end up having like a long conversation with somebody who lives in siberia for all you know you know what i mean but but you guys just happen to find each other sharing similar viewpoints or sharing similar ideas and then having that kind of uh, interaction going on. And again, this is the very first time we've ever dealt with anything like this as a species. And on the heels of potentially the most destructive century of all time, the 20th century, which also if you look at like what happened in art, deconstructivism, all this kind of stuff, like I think we went so deep into chaos that now it's time to rebuild. I think that really like the last few decades have been kind of like this aftershock of like trying to figure out like how the fuck do we deal with this? You know, you look at like something like the sixties kind of, there was a spark of awakening again, aided largely by psychedelics. But I think people found themselves for the first time in a very, very long time going, fuck the system the way it is. Look, it's just destructive. It's first world war, second world war, Vietnam, like all this stuff. And now I, I think I think what we're seeing is a real kind of renaissance in terms of reapproaching that idea. Like I, a lot of us, I think, share this, which is saying like, no, we can return to that. We can return to the optimism of the late 60s, early 70s, that little window of time, but now do it with much more of a sense that, no, you have a global community because you can interact with them at an instant and you have a lot more resources to pull on as far as just approaching it responsibly. And there is such a thing as like responsible, you know, just responsible psychedelic use, for instance, if you want to use that as your tool to it, right? Uh, right. So I, I think I'm seeing more and more of that happen where a lot, a lot more people are kind of shedding this idea that it's, first of all, that it's, it's all fucked, like that it's hopeless, because I don't think it is. A lot of people do, do think that way, but... If they were to dwell a little bit longer as to like the potential that we're seeing right now with the tools we have at our disposal and the kind of ways by which we can 
gather information about those tools or whatever, you know, get other people's experiences, any, any kind of, any, anything you need to know about anything you're about to engage in. Now it's at your fingertips to find out everything you need to know about it. Um, and, and that alone I think is, is paving a pathway for people to really, to expand as individuals. Like I think, I think this is a super great time for, for all of us individually to, just work on ourselves, no matter what form it takes. I think in your case, you've been doing jujitsu too, right? Yeah, uh, about yeah, four yeah. years. Yeah, that's cool. So, so like something like that too. It's like, I don't know. I, I don't know how you came upon that. For instance, is something you'd want to explore. But I feel like, like that's something also. Like, like no matter what it is, it, it's it. It almost seems as if though if you have an interest in something, now is a, a just a wonderful time to actually try and pursue it. Yeah. Um, I think too, uh, you know, to be a glass half empty guy, we also see a sort of flip side of the coin, not uh, from a psychedelic standpoint, because obviously with psychedelics, uh, there's whatever that natural function of connectivity that's involved with a lot of uh, psychedelic substances um, beyond that. But I I think with the Internet and and learning about one another, it also forms a issue of... um, hyper patriotism where it's mm. like a sports team like my team against your team yeah, yeah and yeah. and they not only uh get set up with that ideal but have those ideals enforced by particular media um you know right, who right, they right. decide yeah. to listen to etc and so we kind of see a double-edged sword where it's like do obviously the i would say the better route to take would be the more positive one obviously but do as positive people you know, taking another route, do, is there a need to address those issues as well? Or is that something that we could just ignore that, may, you know, it might be just part of human nature? No, well, no, that is something I run up against a lot, too. Like, especially uh, just listening to, again, listening to some podcasts that address this quite often, which is this whole idea of, like, the social justice warrior movement, which which is basically, like, the idea that, there's there's such a thing via again the internet kind of like there's there's like the thought police that are out there basically like if you ha- if you happen to have a certain opinion or express even a, like a taboo opinion but in a in a humorous way like comedians run into this problem all the time which is yeah. that they'll address some topic that is allegedly taboo it's like it's it's very 1984ish it's like if you approach that topic from any angle god forbid you make it into comedy you've you've broken a taboo and they're they're coming after you i mean that's the whole thing is that you see this quite often is is comedians suffer from this all the time especially if they're well known and they they have great media reach right mm-hmm. um so so i i think that uh what you what you see and this, this is an annoying thing it's, it's not only annoying but i think it is a dangerous thing which is that the internet provides anonymity enough that you have leagues of people out there who spend most of their energy and time it seems trying to just like maybe their maybe their ideas in a way are noble in that they're they're trying to see a more utopian place that isn't here yet but the way that they see utopia arriving on earth is by outlawing certain topics like as if though they just don't exist it's like look so this is something like like the um who was it uh fuck what's the comedian's name he got in trouble like big trouble with the the rape joke thing uh, remember dan cook or no it was um, Tosh, no, no. Tosh point no, daniel Tosh. that's that's it right so i don't know much about that i haven't actually seen the clip on whatever but like 
that whole thing put into motion this whole idea that like that 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 topic in itself is not it, it just you can't go near it at all but 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 what it struck me as is like so many people who are going after Daniel Tosh for making this joke are spending so much of their energy on a comedian who doesn't want to see he's not out to see people getting raped you know he, yeah. he does not find that a funny thing but he's it's exactly because it's such a taboo that he it's 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 cringeworthy comedy you know he's going mm-hmm. for it because it's 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 something that will get this nervous laugh out of his audience but meanwhile i'm just thinking like how wrapped up people got in that misstep if you want to call it that rather than you no know, the actual actual rape occurs and rapists are going to do this whether or not this man made a joke about it it's not yeah. that they just felt all of a sudden empowered like look this famous comedian made a joke about it now it's okay to rape no like yeah. like if if what what just troubles me is that is that there's there seems to be such a such a kind of just just this this militant uh contingency out there that are going after anything that they like like this whole idea of when you hear about trigger warnings for instance like people somehow being so fragile that if they hear a topic or a topic being discussed it'll somehow send them into just, just this dark abyss of their own existence you know what i mean yeah yeah and, and, and i think and i think that there's something that needs to be addressed there which is that no like like how about we we all acknowledge that these horrible things do exist but let's all maybe try and make the world such a place that that less and less people become victim of those things i don't know how you go about doing it because i think they're they're it seems to me that that these are things that are unavoidably going to be with us with the baggage of being a human throughout our our entire existence but hopefully we're we're all collectively starting to realize like no if you see a a human being in another person you don't want to harm them like like this so this is why I like I'd say that some powerful tool for this could be something like ayahuasca like I've, I've had a, a few like a handful of ayahuasca ceremonies where I realized like no these are these I realize now, like why people say that this is a great healing tool. That is, it's great medicine because people do conf- they confront the dark inside of them. Often, like people who have baggage with them, for the first time, maybe in their whole lives, they they're not only able to, but they're forced to look at that thing. Right? Well, isn't so that, that a big issue for a lot of people too? Like that inability to have a sort of self reflection and to yeah. confront some of the demons. And I think that a big part of the, what's often referred to as the outrage culture, outrage culture is yeah, 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 yeah. a big part of that. And I use this, you know, if we see somebody who is different from society, like, so for instance, there's a kid who walks around here who looks like, um, like Edward Scissorhands or like, okay. like, uh, dude from the cure in the eighties. And I know right. for sure, like I've seen people break his balls, like just because he's different from everybody else who right, right. is around, there's this need to address them in some particular way. And it's almost like I refer to, you know, it's like the group of sheep. Like if one is outside of the pack, like there's going to be a resistance from the group to right, pull them right. back into the, the pack. Yeah, well, I think that 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 what I do so so why return to the thing saying like look like when I see the whole social justice warrior uh, red button flaring up over some 
some new topic or whatever, like somebody's in a hot in hot water because they had a misstep, let's say, or whatever. Like they just yeah. they misspoke or, or spoke deliberately but offended these people or whatever. It's like or challenged uh, something, right? Or just challenged somebody, just challenging a person's belief or right, set of beliefs right. or th- something that they hold dear or true. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, so 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 what I think. What I what I what's weird is that there's a kind of like weird duality that comes up, which is that for the most part, I would say that they do stand for noble things. Like like by that, I mean, if it's some topic like 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 gender inequality, for instance, right? Like if it's if it's a gender topic, it's like, yes, yes, I think we all like all sane people want to see a world in which. Everybody feels like they, they can just be themselves. The skin that they're born into, it's just fine the way it is. Like all or whatever, whatever you want to do. But very, do, very few people want to look at the actual social economics and like look at how, like how real life impacts certain numbers that we see in society in terms right. of like certain jobs, certain educations, certain um, pathways in life. Are right, right. often dictated by so much, and I think what that we're, that we can refer to as the outrage culture. I don't want to call anybody that, really, but uh, right, right. is that perspective is a is a big issue where it looks like right. a lot of people are looking down a very narrow tunnel, whereas a lot of these social issues that we find and need to address and need you know need to address objectively are very. It's a very wide spectrum of issues causes results right. and um social functions that need to happen if we want to see better results but i mean very few people people want to have a like a you know for lack of a better term black and white answer right 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 no it makes sense well it's it's it, the reason i mentioned even the duality there though which is weird is that like as, as you pointed out it's, it's um like that culture so the outrage culture i do think it, it's it's a an apt title for it so it's it, there's a weird thing there where it's like, like they want they often want everyone to conform to their ideology because it is an ideology at the end of the day to conform to their standards their values like they get they get incredibly pissed when their values have been stepped on by somebody having the audacity for instance to make a joke about a, an off topic thing like, or 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 like a taboo topic right but at the same time, like what's so strange is that they do champion everybody should be able to be exactly who they feel that they are, right? Like, like that's what's so strange is, it, but but like this is something that some people run into too. Do you know Sam Harris's work at all? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Sam Harris. Again, for anyone like listening who doesn't know, like I've had a love like, hate with like I didn't like him at first, and then I liked him, and then I kind of didn't like him, and then I liked him. <laughs> well, I've I've always found though that like he, so so I, the reason I bring him up is he's he's somebody who who I share like ideas in keeping with his ideas quite a lot, and I like how he expresses them. But he gets into shit all the time, all the time, and and this term that's applied to him probably more so than anyone else any other public figure is Islamophobia, for instance, right? Where like, yeah. he's just being slammed, but, but by, again, like by the left, I mean, it's a left, yeah. left. A very good people. example. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I would say like, so Sam Harris, if you actually like follow what he says or read end of faith or whatever, it's like, 
no, he's not an Islamophobe. I mean, he finds that term to be, you know, any spectrum between like cute and outright just offensive and dangerous to him <laughs> yeah. because he's yeah. because he really like what he's basically though saying is that look, if you do have a if you have a look at any ideology that still plagues the world, even though we live in the 21st century, but many of these ideologies uh, want to take us back to a very, very, very basic desert dwelling kind of time period you know like yeah. these are like so so it's 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 uh something that he he brings up quite often is like look like if you just take an ideology that um that has half your population oppressed that they, they have not nearly the same rights as the other half so i'm talking about gender so so he often just says like look what what is it up what is up with people who come after people like myself for "Quote unquote Islamophobia," but have no problem slamming some like white Westboro Baptist church. But they're saying the same thing. Like he's, he's yeah. just he's just saying like he's just saying like look like there's a weird double standard going on here where it's like it's the 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 value the the taboo of the day is to uh, is to let's say criticize something like Islam, which is just a bad set of ideas because right away people go like. Islam means a certain race. No, it doesn't mean a certain race. It just yeah. happens to to manifest in a certain part of the world more so than anywhere else. But it's like, no, at the end of the day, it's just an ideology just as ridiculous as Mormonism. Yeah, you, you know, know what a common theme Mormonism, is, too? Is a common theme, too, is yeah. people in this uh, sort of grouping is that they'll even use the idea. So, like, if somebody says something bad about Islam— They'll use right. the idea that Christianity has also done equally bad things as an argument as to why you shouldn't uh, be critical of right. another. Right. It's like clearly we should be critical of both and stop pretending. Right, right. And, and to somehow say that, that that now because it's it's it just so happens that Islam has been the cause of many you know contemporary world problems like like there it's very it's it's a dangerous ideology in trying to when it when it when it uh forces itself its ideologies its values upon a world that doesn't share those values things get dangerous so so for instance like like uh drawing just making a fucking drawing of the dude that is that their holy guy it can condemn you to death and somehow, but, but this is where, where Sam Harris, I, I feel like I do often like really feel his frustration over this because he'll bring something up after let's say the Charlie Hebdo thing. And he'll have people who, again, maybe they have like, in a sense, like a noble idea behind it, but it just sounds so ludicrous because they'll basically say like, no, maybe you shouldn't instigate those people. So it's still somehow Charlie Hebdo, uh, the, the staff of Charlie Hebdo, it is still their fault because Look, I mean, you you instigate it. It's like no. He, what he's saying is, no. We we should never bend. We should never ever bend. Uh, just uh, our, like we shouldn't just uh, present ourselves up for for violence. Bad because, taste should never result in death. Right. Exactly. Like I was I was having this, this chat with my friend recently where he was because he's contemplating he's going to be doing some sort of controversial artwork coming up pretty soon and he's like i just wonder about this like what i should do about this and i i said to him and i i'm just gonna stick to this is art is never an act of violence i don't care how fucking offended somebody gets over it it's never an yeah. act of violence 
so so if 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 it it never art has never like it doesn't matter if it's the most offensive propaganda even for <laughs> the the worst dictatorship in the world the artwork itself it it should be up for criticism it should be up for ridicule or whatever people could say this is really bad taste whatever right but it itself doesn't murder anybody it, it, it's never actually that that like if somebody just gets so offended about it that then they perpetrate an act of violence against the artist or whatever you want to call the person who created that particular image well the fault does not lie shared it's not it is not a the artist has yeah artists called it upon themselves they, they made a suicide pact uh by creating this this piece of artwork it doesn't work that way at least in my mind i think that that and that's where i share sam harris's sentiment in a lot of ways but he expands on it way beyond what i'm just talking about right now but but that's that's ultimately super frustrating is when you run up against something like that where somehow somehow people uh, in many with regards to many different topics they kind of just sort of champion one side without seeing that no there's a bigger picture here yeah that they if if you're going to basically if you're if you're going to be very cautious about criticizing the ideology of islam for instance well then in similar ways then don't write a whoops uh don't write a blog post the next day slamming the church of mormon you know because it's a, it's a, like otherwise you're the the thing you set out to do i mean it's it's got double standard in it you know i i think that that all all ideologies if they're not based on some kind of evidence or at the very least um if if there's any ideology that pushes itself upon anyone who doesn't happen to belong to that that ideology, they ought to be up for criticism. Yeah, that, that's but it, then you know? then we have the instance of like there was that show in Texas where the like oh a, yeah like a religious group. I don't know if it was a religious group. I think it was like a church. It must have been. Yeah, but it might have I been think. like a like a politician set something up like a. Like a libertarian politician or somebody, somebody I forget exactly who set it up, but they did like a big uh, Muhammad painting competition, right? And right. you know, so like let's say you know we're talking about actual cultural critique, like somebody who's looking at again something objectively. I mean, if if somebody is looking at all the Abrahamic religions and find a fault in one, they typically can find the same faults in all of them. I mean, you can look in the Old Testament and find uh, instances of uh, death result from eating uh, crawfish or or, or, right, uh, right, right. Yeah. or like working on the Sabbath or whatever. So right, like right. If, if when we're when we're talking about these things on this level, it seems like the people who decide to go mockery like so there's there's a very distinct difference between like, let's say, a Saturday Night Live or like Charlie Hebdo, a mockery in a sort of intellectual, literal way. Satire, Uh, right? Versus which is still can be considered satire. It still could be, um, you know, they're still expressing their First Amendment right, um, right? But they still are kind of being dicks, right? Like there's a level of like we're just going to be a prick to be a prick, and so we we have to examine these social issues in context of cultural relevance. Like, uh, you know, like let's say. In Brooklyn in the 80s, if you were a dick to somebody on the street, you very well might get punched in the face, right? right, right. So, yeah. uh, again, so we got to look, okay, so now we're talking about violence just in general, right? right? right. Like, and people's reactions to certain things 
what requires an act of violence from them. And then if we look at um, stere- like if we look at the numbers of uh, Muslim countries and the acts of violence currently in the last 20 years, you know, very much engaged in war, maybe not by their own choice, violence right. is an everyday issue for what three generations? Four generations, five generations, probably more, more than that, probably. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know. Right. So, if an act of violence is not, you know, if it's like the same as punching somebody in the nose, which it seems to be, there, I'm not saying that there should be an under, like a, a, like you should understand that violence, but I think maybe we should have a different context in our in our discussions, maybe. Yeah, and, and that yeah. it, it really boils down to how violence is used to get somebody's way and the use of religion in general, the even just we could boil it down to the idea that there's a God in afterlife, whatever you decide to name and picture that as is a, in general, a real problem for society. Now, I don't know because we don't have it, what it would be like without it. Right. Maybe it would be, maybe it would be worse. I don't know, but (laughs) it's clearly an issue. So that was part one of my chat with Mr. Martin Whitfoot. Uh, nice to get him on again. Uh, thanks to Soho Design House for sponsoring this episode. You could follow them at S-O-H-O-D-H on Instagram and all the social medias. Uh, check out their website at SohoDesignHouse.com. If you're in the Los Angeles area, you could check them out at 6912 on Melrose Avenue. Get your shopping on and see their showroom. Check out some of the stuff they've done in the past, some of the artists they've worked with, or um, start the process of getting your own rug made. If you are doing that, make sure you go tell them that the podcast sent you, please. Uh, again, guys, thanks for listening. You could follow me at Mike Maxwell Art on all the social medias. I went over the four grand this week. Big shout out to Porus Walker, who was on the last episode. He, um, he bumped me up big time by posting on his Instagram. Got me a bunch of fucking followers. So make sure you go listen to that episode. That's a really funny one as well. And the new ep- in the next episode, uh, part two with Martin, will be out again on Wednesday. You guys have heard me talk about it on the podcast before. Um, we're trying to raise some money for Sweet Pete. A, he had emergency surgery uh, a couple months ago. And I have a $6,000 vet bill that I'm working to pay off, trying to crowdfund uh, just a little bit and see if we can ease the burden of crazy bills that um, come up randomly for some people. And, you know, it's hard for everybody. If you have the capabilities of throwing in a little bit, uh, it's much appreciated. You can go to GoFundMe.com slash Sweet Peter. That's again for Sweet Pete, but it's slash Sweet Peter because that was what was available on the thing. So thank you to everyone who's donated to that and whoever has donated to the podcast now, in the future, in the past, in the present. I love you. You're very special, and I appreciate you listening to the show and, you know, doing everything that you can to be the best that you could be. All right? So I love you guys. Have a good day. Mm -hmm.